0: WTF One presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison, and uh, wow, we are deep into the off season here. Now, uh, two weeks to go before Christmas. It's a weird vibe, but here we are. Uh, welcome back to another HTW. Glad you could join us. And uh, for the first time in a little while since we had the Pit Lane Twins on, this is a uh, a freeway. No, uh, we got two guests.
1: Steady <laughs> Andre.
0: Not like that. <laughs> Just derailing the show 30 seconds in, because <laughs> apparently, uh, you could probably tell it was Charlie. It was one of the voices involved. I know you're not surprised, audience, but uh, we're already going off the rails here because Charlie's been smutty just a little bit. But uh, yes, Charlie and Hannah are both joining me on Yay. this edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello, ladies.
2: Hello, hello. How are you?
0: I'm very well. How are you guys doing? Besides uh, being slightly filthy in Charlie's case.
2: I feel like I've got the giggles now. I can't be serious.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'm good. I'm. That was, that really, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Um how are you, Drake? Did I did Hannah already ask you that? I can't even remember, to be honest. I answer.
0: No, I was just soaking in the vibe, apparently. Who knew? But um, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad Glad we could have, you know, more than one guest. I'm not going to mention any multiple of three now for the rest of this show. Um, now, well, now that I've mentioned that, but uh, glad we can have more than one guest and bring the whole gang back together for this Yay. edition of the show. Uh, and of course, your fantastic hot takes, which you sent in, in this past Monday now I'm not going to tell you where you can send in your takes. You'll know why at the end of the show, so do listen through all the way through to the end on that one. But um, yes, you guys sent in your takes as ever on HDW and on this show, because as I always say, every podcast is somebody's first. Um, We'll get them. You send in your takes. We will evaluate them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree and five being that we strongly agree. And We had some wild ones um, on, on this episode of the show. So this is going to be a very, very fun one indeed. So ladies, sh- shall we shall we crack on?
2: Let's do it. Let's go.
0: Okay. So take number one for Hot Takes Wednesday this week comes from John Smoach um, on Twitter. And John says, quote, the FIA needs to make an 11th team for rookies from the F2 season winner." Have it so the F2 winner is guaranteed a seat for at least two seasons to let them show their skill in F1. Maybe a spec car for the own team. Engine deal will be the only problem. So I'll, I'll try and narrow this down a little bit. Yeah, basically FAA needs to make an 11th team. For rookies, specifically from the F2 season winner, because we're all low key kind of shedding a tear for Theo, for Theo Porcher. Uh, <laughs> Theo, because apparently I said Theo last time. I, meant, I, meant, I said it the oh. English way. I meant, I meant to say it the French way. So a couple people did DM me about this. So apologies for that. Theo Porcher, <laughs> who, um, the, the reigning Formula 2 series champion, um, to get him a, a, a guaranteed seat in F1. That could be a way around it. Um, so uh, let's go Charlie first. On this one, what do you make of that?
1: I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely on the side of help the junior drivers. I absolutely hate that it's become a norm almost for talented junior drivers to pop on a team t shirt and a headset and just become a reserve (laughs) and just sit there on the sidelines for years. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure that this suggestion is the answer to that problem. Um, firstly. This is gonna sound really confusing to explain, but I'm hopefully like hopefully it makes sense. You've got a problem, like, right off the bat. You create a new team, you need two drivers. There's only one F2 champion. So you take two, you so okay, then you go, all right, I'll take last year's champion. You sign both of them on the two-year deals that this guy suggested. And then where does the 2024 champion go? Because those two are still on a two- on a We'll have another year left. So there's no guarantee that that guy will end up, or that person will end up in uh, F1 either. And then another problem is if the F2 champion is talented enough to have caught the eye of a top team and they go there instead of this new team, then what do you do? I just feel like it's a headache that's not really quite worth the hassle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But unfortunately, it does make me really sad, but it is kind of like the way it is. In the motorsport world, um, the problem currently is that our gr- cur- like our grid is so stacked, so talented, and so determined, um, and are staying for years later than F1 drivers have ever uh, have ever. Um, so, and we're also finding that junior drivers are getting younger too. I mean, the fact that Teo is um, only twenty and has 20, won yeah. The, yeah has won the championship. And it was his third year in F two as well, which makes it sound like he's not good enough. But he's just so young still. Um, but hence, like that's why we're getting this kind of like bottleneck situation. Um, I actually saw an idea that forced F one teams to run a third car for just their sprint races, and in those sprint races, they had the ch- their choice of like junior driver, which that would in the take sprint special yeah yeah, mm. which would take a lot of work and it's not going to be a quick fix. But I actually quite like that idea as more to like what's being suggested in this take Um, because it would offer those juniors an opportunity to demonstrate their skills in F1. But then they're also kind of like under an already established team as well. So yeah,
2: I'm not, I'm, I can't get there on this one.
0: How about you, Hannah? How's your vibe?
2: So before, when I read this hot take, I felt like, oh, I actually really like this idea. You know, I, I can get on board with this, but, listening to charlie's point of view my my point of view is kind of swayed a little bit and i i kind of do agree so i've got mixed feelings on this now but i do like the idea because it you know it gets the f2 winner out there driving an f1 in front of the cameras performing against the highest level drivers out there um and i think we can all agree that um a lot of good drivers talent is being wasted because of how full the grid is so i kind of like the idea but then after the 2 years are up you get the same problem being that the rest of the grid is still full so are they is giving them 2 years in f1 enough for them to take for another team to take them on or is it just going to be the same situation as it is right now so it's kind of i don't know if it actually would help although it sounds like it might be a nice thing I really like Charlie's point as well. You made me rethink about how, what if an F2 team wanted to take the F, uh, what if an F1 team wanted to take the F2 winner straight away and not go to this 11th team first, then what happens, you know? Does someone else fill that seat or does it go (laughs) no driver in the seat? I mean, obviously not, but it would be interesting to see what would happen there. So yeah, I I see ways in which it it wouldn't work, but also I like the idea. So I'm I'm very torn on this.
0: First of all, is this, is, it, is this such a massive problem that the FAA has to spend hundreds of millions of, of dollars a year just to get two more drivers onto the grid? Because running an F1 team is expensive. If they were going by the same cost cap that every other team had to go through, you're talking $130 million a year. That is a stupidly large amount of money. Um, that's like five Shohei Ataris, um, to, to just to run an F1 team every year. Um, but yeah, it's... it's <laughs> One, I don't think it's that big an issue where it warrants an entire governing body running their own team. Um, second of all, yeah, I, I do see the, I, I do see why this is an issue and there is a logjam. But I also think, yeah, Formula 1 is just in a really annoyingly good place of its roster right now. Um, do, you know who, do you know who was 16th in this year's Drivers' Championship? It was Nico Hulkenberg who had a really good season for Haas this year. That to me goes to show you the quality of the field. Alex Albon, who was a driver of the year contender in some people's eyes was 13th in terms of just raw point total this year. It's, it is a stacked grid. There are 16, 17 safe seats in F1 right now. Um, and teams haven't got a good reason to move on from people. um, there are problems with this, like like you said. I think Charlie's points are very solid. I.e., you know there could be a logjam in this same FIA governed team as well. You might have to compromise on the quality of said team because an F two driver like a like a Charles Leclerc or a <clears throat> me or a, or a George Russell who was one and done in that in F two and was straight in to to a, a solid team, especially in, in Leclerc's case, for example you're going to end up taking, what, second and third in F2 instead, and that is that going to be the best highlight to get drivers on the grid? I, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea in theory. It comes from a good place. It's trying to solve this logjam of talent, and in an ideal world, I, I want Formula 1's commercial wing to just have an 11th team. Hi, Andretti. Um, but mm-hmm. we all know that those two entities are at loggerheads right now, and they're in a bit of a power struggle. Um, ask the Wolf family about that one, given recent news. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it comes from a good place, and I do believe that someone like Theo Porsche absolutely should be in Formula 1. He's still only 20 years old. Um, yes, he's a very solid driver. He's still the youngest Formula 2 race winner ever. He, yes, he's a year three guy, but he won a race at seventeen in that class, which is unbelievable. We all knew he was an outstanding talent two years back, but Salba went with Joe Guan Yu instead. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there was an argument you could have gone either way. For me overall... Yes, this is an issue, but it's not one that I think the governing body should solve. Also, by the way, it's worth pointing out, the FIA as a governing body doesn't make money. (laughs) They don't turn a profit um, as a governing body. So them asking them to spend nine figures a year um, to have an 11th team and run it themselves and hiring all the extra staff needed to run a Formula 1 team on top of being the sports, you know, governing body on top of that, it generates a conflict of interest and it would be money that they can't afford. So it it just would not be able to happen for many a reason. Although I do like the premise. um, It's just, there's too many obstacles and there's too many hurdles for me to see a way to make that work. Um, So with that in mind, I'm going to say two only because I'm not going to say one because i I like the idea and I like the premise um, from a, a standpoint of let's try and solve this pipeline problem but i have to say two because it just would not be able to work logistically unless a lot would change so i'm gonna say two on that one how about you hannah
2: yeah i'm gonna go for a two as well just because i mean i said i was torn so it makes sense to do a three but i think that there's more going against it than for it so it's a a two for me
0: and you charlie
1: three for three and go for two as well Mm, (laughs) we never mm. agree on everything um yeah i mean i would like them to find a solution but i don't think there is really one so and this definitely isn't it so yeah a two
0: interesting slate of opinions there although we all came to the same conclusion good idea but probably not feasible um which is interesting in its own right Okay, take number two comes from Pack of Jacks, and Pack of Jacks on Twitter says Drivers need to be more considerate of the sponsors, and as a result, stop complaining about the show aspect. Pure racing isn't a thing. It never was. Stop putting tracks down. Stop complaining about the other stuff you have to do in a race because racing costs money. Um, this is this is a very like I don't want to be this guy, but this is a bit of an old man yells at cloud kind of take. If I'm being completely honest, but I'll, I'll go will go from the top one more time. Uh, it says drivers need to be more considerate of the sponsors, and as a result, stop complaining about the show aspects. Pure racing isn't a thing um it never was stop putting tracks down stop complaining about the other stuff you have to do with a race because racing costs money etc um who wants to take that one first
2: (laughs) i'll go for it
0: (laughs) sure go for for it hannah
2: well i don't know about you guys but i don't see many drivers complaining about sponsors i really don't Uh, and I feel like what the hot take is referring to is when they were complaining about the show aspect. There were a few drivers who were talking about that Vegas. in terms of like, yeah, Vegas and Miami and things like that. And personally, I actually really liked the Vegas GP and most of what surrounded it. So I'm not saying that I agree with all of the drivers who said that, but I understand where they're coming from if things that they have to do pre race affect their training schedule or their warm up and stuff. But it seems like this hot take is talking specifically about sponsors, and I don't really see many drivers complaining about that kind of stuff and and if it they are complaining, it's for fair enough reasons um, so I, I I don't know, I don't agree with this hot take. It doesn't happen enough for me to to warrant telling them to not do it or to stop doing it, so that's my that's my opinion. um I mean, I'd like to ask, does this person have a job?
1: Because I'd love to find a person that doesn't uh, or hasn't ever complained about their job. I can't even tell you the amount of people this year, like in my instance, who have said something along the lines of, oh, but at least you're working in motorsport. I'd kill for that job when I've said that I'm tired or, you know, the the schedule is like grueling. And yeah, I've worked my ass off for this opportunity, but I'm still tired. It's all about perception. Everything looks great, gold and shiny when you don't have it. But once you have it, you realize it's actually brass and you have to keep polishing it to make it shine. So drivers have every right to complain about whatever they want to. First and foremost, it's their job kind of, you know, to I mean, especially with like tracks. Like if if there's things that they know that they can improve and help like the track organizers to improve. Then, and we get better racing in the end of it, then why not? Um, but they're human. And if we as fans are allowed to complain about things like that or, um, or like how busy their days are and stuff like that, then I, I don't know. I don't really understand this take. I would rather see drivers at like actual human beings than be turned into corporate PR robots any day of the week. Like, I don't know. Am I missing something here? Because I just, I, I yeah.
0: I, I I can see where they're coming from, but who has ever batted for the sponsors when it comes to a humanity versus the money aspect of anything? Like, it's Formula One is a very human sport in the sense of yes, it's an engineering competition at its heart, but I think generally as fans, we care so much more about the drivers than we do the teams and the mechanical aspects of what makes these cars go. We're human. We resonate most with human stories. And look, I didn't necessarily agree with what Max Verstappen was saying in Vegas across the board, but I respected the fact that as the world champion and as one of the host high profile figures in this sport, he had the balls to speak out against a sport that was uh, and a race that was directly promoted and run by formula one itself this wasn't just your average race promoter or local government that was running a grand prix this was f1 they had thrown half a billion into vegas to try and make this investment worthwhile and max had no problem torching the place and torching the aspect of it all before he ended up winning the race anyway and singing viva las vegas down the radio like i would much rather drivers be fuming and be honest and be upfront about it. I respect honesty and I respect people that are not afraid to speak out against things they don't like, even if it's not necessarily, you know, good for the show or good for the bottom line. You know, it's of of course, you've got to be careful what you say. Of course, you don't want to alienate sponsors or, you know, piss anybody off that's signing and writing you a check. That's understandable. But, you know, F1 is not a perfect sport. There are many, many warts socially, economically, financially that this sport comes with. And I would rather we not ignore them or or duck our heads in the sand if it makes everybody else feel better about what we're watching. Um, So for me, like, i've got no problem with drivers speaking out against things they don't like because honestly a lot of us probably agree with them a lot of us can relate to what they're going through and and like i i had to do a short on this during the vegas weekend where verstappen talked about a lot of the aspects of a grand prix not wanting to do so much media you know the busy schedule the jet lag the that came with you know 10 plus hour flights from europe over to vegas in the first place and i didn't like that kevin Magnuson was so blunt in reply and saying oh well you know we live a privileged life we should just shut up and get on with it it doesn't matter how much money you make doesn't matter how you know how privileged your job is parts of your job can be hard but like parts of like that is that Elements of that are going to happen regardless of how rich you are or how privileged you are or how lucky you are to be in that position. So it's not as simple as saying, well, you have a good job, therefore you can't complain. It's it's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And and like I would rather people speak out about that so we can have a conversation about it rather than keeping it all under wraps and saying, well, you know, got to please the sponsors.
1: <sighs> I mean, yeah, in terms of um, like jet lag and stuff as well, over the Vegas weekend like so many drivers complained about it like and that's the first time that I've really ever known like drivers say anything about like jet lag really like or like tiredness or and I think we only really see like a small portion of their weekend like we see them on track we see like the odd kind of like event that um like the teams might post but there is so much more that we don't know that they do like even just if it's like two setting two hours aside like signing helmets and like driver cards and stuff but um I mean George Russell admitted that his heart rate is actually like becoming a bit of an issue because when he's traveling everywhere, it's having a, an effect on his heart rate compared to when he's like in one place for longer than like a week or two, which like, wow. I mean, that's a, that's a health concern as well. Like it's so, I mean, they, I think they gets to a point where it's, it's driver's health over entertainment and stuff. So I mean I yeah, I think it's fine that they complain. They can complain away. It doesn't make any difference to me. Like I just I don't look at them and go like, oh entitled, blah blah blah. So, like I just kind of go, right on, I agree. I'd probably complain too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. No, um the, the way I see it, like People are going to complain. No aspect of any job is perfect. It's rarely ever perfect across the board. And, and like I said, I, I want drivers to be candid. I want them to open up about these issues, and I want them to talk about it. You know, like it's. I, I don't believe in this notion that you've got to shut up and be a, and be a corporate robot. You know, just to, to, appease, to just to appease the sponsors. Um, that's not how the real world works, in my opinion. And um, any chance to highlight that, I think, should be celebrated or not, or at least endorsed and like you know without risk of a, a sponsor cutting ties um <laughs> as long as you're not obviously being offensive or anything like that then you know obviously that's, that's a different ball game entirely but you know i don't think anyone should risk losing money off the table by saying hey maybe having a grand prix that's six thousand kilometers away from europe in a busy busy schedule that has 22 grand Prix and hey, we travelled for 23 because we still travelled for Imola. Um, you know, even though, even though the race got cancelled, it's the biggest death one season ever. Maybe it's a bit tough on these guys. Just throwing that out there. Um, Hannah, how would you score it?
2: Yeah, for me, this is a one. I, I do completely disagree uh, for all of the above reasons. What about you guys?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm a one.
0: Me three. I'm a one as well. Um, I, I I just, you know, I I, I don't, I, I, this is the sort of take that says to me, I want my F1 drivers to shut up and get on with it, and and I, I, I don't think any sport is as simple as that, um you know Formula One is no exception, like uh, you know so for me, um speak out you know talk like anything that makes this sport a bit more human and makes it a bit more understandable for the average joe i think is a good thing rather than a bad thing ultimately and that shouldn't come with a, a financial penalty or you know a risk of pissing off a sponsor here and there just because we want to feel better about what we're watching so for me it's a one uh, on, on that come one man, we've
1: both <laughs> agreed yeah <laughs> we've all agreed again <laughs> What's going on? Two in it's a Christmas.
0: <laughs> yeah, that must be it. We'll get back to the show in a second, but first of all I want to tell you about NordVPN. Now you've probably heard lots about VPNs or virtual private networks, but here's why you should be using NordVPN. First of all, it's officially the fastest VPN on the planet. You'll enjoy blazing speeds and unlimited bandwidth so you can browse, stream and download worry-free. And by using NordVPN, you'll become safer online with a single click. You'll enjoy threat protection that shields you from malware, trackers and ads, and your privacy will be insured. And of course, you'll be able to make sure you can access your favourite content wherever you are, because even when you're travelling, you'll be able to stay at home virtually. So what are you waiting for, guys? Start using the fastest VPN on the planet. Go to nordvpn.com wtf1podcast. That's nordvpn.com wtf1podcast. Season of True. goodwill and all that, I suppose. <laughs>
2: Should we agree on five out of five, or would that be boring?
0: We'll see how we go. I've got a fear this one's (laughs) going to split them a bit more. Take number three comes to Maiden, and Aiden on Twitter says, the machinery Piastri had in the second half of the season flattered his performance, as when you look at the head-to-head with Norris, he's still a decent chunk behind. So that's why we can't compare to Verstappen and Leclerc's rookie seasons in worse machinery. Still the best rookie since. I love that you put that in brackets at the end as just, well, just, just to establish this. It's like it's still a really good rookie season, which it was. Um, so, yes, Aiden says the machinery Piastri had in the second half of the season flattered his performance. As when you look at the head to head with Norris, he's still a decent chunk behind. It's why you can't compare them. So, Piastri's rookie season. I'm going to go to um, McLaren correspondent Charlie Williams for more insights on this. <laughs>
1: uh, nope. Next question. <laughs> um uh, i mean mean, he's uh call me biased i don't care he's the best f1 rookie that we have seen since lewis like and i i i 100 stand by that and i disagree that i think if you look head to head with lando who is a top driver on this grid and has the potential to be a future world champion oscar Oscar's finishes behind him are much better, I think, than where you would expect a rookie to finish behind his much more experienced teammate, um, when you look at like Charles and Max's rookie years, which I, I guess they're trying to compare to, which I hadn't actually seen that comparison, but I can kind of see where, where I can see where it's coming from. Um, they may have not had the best car, but they also didn't have either the mo- well, the most experienced teammate or top class teammates. Um, I mean, that the, the machinery that Oscar and Lando had, were given in the second half of the season were marginally better than the shitbox they started the season with. Um, but there are plenty of examples, including this year, of drivers having a great car and still not bringing home the results. But Oscar did. And I think that's where it lies for me, because we we have this argument about man versus machine all the time but I very much sat on the I've always been sat on the seat of it takes two to tango and it takes both you can't you know, there's I don't want to call out Checo but Checo <laughs> he has had an absolute rocket ship beneath him this year and he has not yes he finished p2 in the championship very very close to Lewis who was in a uh, not very good car and had it not been for austin and his disqualification who knows honestly who knows because i think that when you see when lewis knows that he like has has an opportunity to grab something that's when you see like the best of lewis i think so i mean i don't know we will we will never know unfortunately (laughs) but i just i just feel like this take like downplays everything that oscar has achieved this year his ability shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody um especially anybody who watched his junior career impressing early on has been a common trait and he took the step up to f1 like an absolute champ despite the terrible lack of performance at the start of the year I agree that there are definitely some skills that he needs to hone in on. Managing his tyres needs to be one, for, uh, for definitely, for 2024. I think he missed some golden opportunities this year to back himself um, more podiums due to this kind of mismanagement. But Christ, like, what a year he's had. Like, why can't why can't we just, like, celebrate a driver? Like, he's been amazing. Just end it there. <laughs> That's my rant. Done. Mike
0: <laughs> <up>. I, this I, <laughs> I think this is where we're going to have a difference in opinion here because um, what I I'm a little bit more critical on on, on this, um yeah because like <laughs> I was ranking my top ten drivers on last week's show with Luke Howick and I had Piastri at eight on the list. Now don't get me wrong, eight is very very high for a rookie, and I think in its own right it's a very very good rookie season. But I can see the point. He did get blown out by Norris head-to-head across the course of the season. That is absolutely true. Um, and I do wonder how much of a pass we're going to give Piastri for that in the long term. Like as a rookie, yeah, he'll get a pass because obviously first year you know, first year in F1, he spent a year on the sidelines. Lando Norris is obviously an outstanding racing driver probably top five on the grid in his own right um and that's always going to be a very difficult matchup i'm going to be very curious to see what piastri can do in year two is to, to see if he if he can follow up what he's done because i think i agree on raw pace he's incredible um he is 99 percent of what lando norris is in terms of ultimate speed and that's very impressive the other stuff is where i'm a little bit concerned um did the McLaren flatter him a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I'd say so because you're, you're getting more you're getting more high profile results because your car's now the second best on the grid when it was fifth or sixth when the season first started. So a little bit of that is natural. Um, that's not Piastri's fault. It's just the way McLaren's season played out. We've never seen an in-season turnaround like that, at least in my opinion, ever, um, where one upgrade package turns you from a midfielder into a top contender pretty much overnight. Um, That was a very, very bizarre set of circumstances. Um, It's hard to compare rookie seasons as the take suggests, because Verstappen's, Verstappen's rookie season debuted with another rookie as his teammate. And that was Carlos Sainz Jr. And he did beat Carlos quite handily in terms of points that year but Carlos was another rookie in his own right. And look, Carlos is a very good driver, no question. But how do you evaluate them as rookies? Charles Leclerc was was at a very good rookie season. His teammate was Marcus Ericsson, who, again, didn't have the best F1 career, but has turned into a really solid car driver. So again, I, I, he's won an Indy 500. So again, it's, it's one of these things where you go, it's really, really hard to evaluate Ricky Seasons for this very reason because every set of circumstances is different. Um, and Piastri had a very, very weird scenario where he was in a poor car to start off with. He had an elite driver as a teammate and said elite driver cashed in a lot in the back half of the season. We had seven podiums, Norris, after that upgrade package kicked in. Piastri only had two. Um, so I as I said in my top 10 list, how high can I rate a rookie when his teammate still blew him out? It's, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's, a, it's a question mark. That's hard to quantify and gauge in my opinion. So I'm a little bit more on the fence on this one. I think there's an argument you can make either way on it. Um, I think yes, McLaren's circumstances were a little bit flattering. But I also find it really hard to compare rookie seasons in general because there's so many different parameters that come with it that it's really, really hard to say um, how good or bad it could have been. Look, Piastri was excellent. I didn't think he was going to be this good, um, even after a year on the sidelines. So fair play to him. Anna, how, how are you feeling about this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, of course the car flattered him. It would flatter anyone. and But for someone in his rookie season, I feel like he was... He wasn't close to Lando, but he was good enough compared to Lando that it wasn't just a, the car carried him type of situation. I mean, he got a sprint race win and multiple podiums in his rookie season. Now, I mean, I feel like that is completely insane. And compared to the person above him in the championship, he is down by 70 points, which doesn't look particularly good. But he is also above Stroll, who you could argue was in a quicker car for a lot of the season. You know, the first half of the season, I feel like Aston Martin and McLaren swapped uh, over the summer break, but um, for Stroll, it just didn't quite click for him. And Stroll is not a rookie. And obviously, you know, there's arguments for and against Stroll and we don't need to go into that now, but um, to outperform Stroll, who has been in F1 for a long time and, you know, you could argue if you balance out aston martin and mclaren seasons they're kind of equal in a way podium wise and and stuff like that um i think it's i think it's very impressive and i don't think it's fair to kind of think well how long is this being behind lando gonna last because it is his rookie season and lando's been in the car for four seasons so of course they're not gonna compare at the moment um I will be really interested to see over the next few years how it plays out but I I think Piastri's only going to improve. But then again, I think Lando's only going to improve, so I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm really intrigued to see. Uh I do think Piastri has been incredible, so I do disagree with this hot take though. I'm tempted to give it a one.
1: I think it's quite interesting how like we all perceive how like his closeness to Lando, if that mm. makes sense, because like I actually don't think He's been that far. I don't. I don't. I would not say like that. Lando has absolutely smacked the boy silly this season. Like I wouldn't say that at all. Yeah. Like he has made Lando squirm at some like at some points this season, and Lando has like fully admitted that that Piastri is making him a better driver because he got complacent when he had teammates like Daniel Ricciardo that he wasn't actually like he didn't have anyone to battle with and he wasn't feeling the pressure from his teammate. So. I mean, yeah, I just find it interesting. I honestly, like, I I've no, I don't think I've heard somebody say, like, that he absolutely destroyed him. Not like, because when I think of that, I think of, like, Alex versus Logan, or, like, Kevin Ver- versus Hulkenberg, like, that kind of yeah. situation. Like, not, I think they've been relatively close, to be fair, but.
0: Well, yeah. I don't, there, there's never going to be a comprehensive tell-all stat that that sums it all up, because you you could say on one hand, I think you I agree, on track, they have been relatively close. But then you could also look at the scoreboard and say, Norris outscored Piastri by 108. It's one of the most lopsided point scores uh, of anyone on the grid. But again, like if you read between the lines and actually watch the races, I don't think Piastri's actually all that far behind. Um, so... Again, I think I don't think it was more that Piastri was that bad. I just think Norris was spectacular in the second half of the year. I really do. I think you know he finished in second place six times in the back half of the season. So I think it's it's generally like it's really quite hard to get an overall gauge on it. Like there's there's certainly different aspects and ways of looking at it. I admit I'm on the harsher end of the Piastri index on this one. So I'm going to say three. I actually think. There is different ways you can look at this as, as, as and frame it um, to make an argument about Piastri's rookie season. I lean towards the more not-so-strong end on, on Piastri, but like I still think it was an excellent rookie season. I just think you're comparing him to someone who is an elite driver, which is always going to be a bit sketchy when it comes to making comparisons i'm gonna say three on this one because i think it is a bit of a complicated argument and i don't think it's one that's straightforward so i'm gonna say three um how about you hannah
2: yeah i'm I'm gonna go for a one i i don't agree uh and i think that people are being too harsh on piastri you're included in that dre by the way
0: (laughs) fair enough (laughs)
2: Um, but to be honest when we were doing the article for the website about um our top three drivers, Piastri. I can't remember if I ended up putting him in my top three or not, but he was like, it was against him and Alonso, I think, for bronze, and he he really was like up there with one of my most impressive performances of the season. So I'm really surprised that he was your eighth, Dre. But you know, that's how it goes, I guess.
0: Go to listen to last week's show to get the full context.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> how
0: about um, you, Charlie?
1: Yeah, I'm also gonna give it a one, which comes as no surprise from the Resident McLaren fan. But um <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think he's been brilliant this year and I would def I would put him in my top five this year. Definitely. So um yeah.
0: Over someone like Charles
1: Leclerc. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because he was he was, he was my number five, just 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 because for me and I'll, I'll give you a small sneak peek of last week's episode. That block of Hamilton, Norris, Alonso, and Leclerc, I had to put two to five. I, I think I think they were the best of the rest outside of Max. And I actually said on that show you could have put them in any order, and I think there would have been a viable argument for any of those four in that two to five spot. And I wouldn't put Piastri above any of those four. Um, so. Yeah, think about that one uh, as we uh, go off the air, I suppose, um, after this show is over. But uh, have a think about that one. Um, Take number four comes from Erico Calixto on Twitter, and and Erico says, uh, Alonso remains the weakest multi-champ of all. It's very weird we get an anti-Alonso take. He normally has such strong defenders on the internet. (laughs) It's it's interesting that. Alonso (laughs) remains the weakest multi-champ of all, says Erico. Um, I'll probably take this one first because I've I've mixed up the order a little bit. My short answer is probably not is what I would say. I, I, again, I think Alonzo is the sort of guy that's been given the benefit of the doubt for a lot of his career, especially for some of the sketchy team moves he's had where he's just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. And for me, like Alonzo is a double champ but he's also had many other great seasons that weren't title-worthy. 2010 in Ferrari, he came so close, couldn't get past Vitaly Petrov in Abu Dhabi. I remember that, watching that as a kid. Um, I remember 2012, one of the most fantastic title fights ever seen in F1. He lost out by three points on on that occasion as well. And this year is, I I think, another feathering Alonso's cap. He's, He's 42 years old. And he's just finished, what was it, fourth in the Drivers' Championship this year um, with a car that he had not driven before and, yes, was very, very good out of the box. I think he got the maximum out of that Aston Martin week in, week out, had very few bad performances all year long in that Aston Martin and has proven that he is still a top-tier driver if he has the right car underneath him. So... And this is, I mean, once you add those elements to Alonso's legacy of not just the two world titles with Renault, but also he's F1's all-time appearances leader. He's still going as an elite driver into into his 40s. He's had another really, really good season with another different team. I don't think he's the weakest double champ. Are we we saying that Alonso's worse than Ascari or Fittipaldi or... Maybe even someone like Nelson PK, who won three titles, but people didn't take him seriously because of the level of opposition. For me, I don't think if I was to rank all the all the multiple world champions, Alonso definitely wouldn't be on the bottom of my list. Or I, I, I I'm pretty adamant um, on that one. Um, Charlie, what do you reckon?
1: I mean, I don't think you can call any F one champion like weak. Like I, I don't like the the weakest part of that take really. Um but if that's where your mind wants to go, then I don't think Alonso should be the top of that list. Um, although his last win was twenty thirteen, Alonso <laughs> has remained among the very best drivers on the grid throughout this entire like that entire decade. So throughout those winless seasons, none of those were like Bad, bad seasons performance-wise, um, but some were below par for him, and others were just absolutely like extraordinary. Like like Dre said, you've got. Um, I mean, there were several instances where he was in the mix for several world championship titles, um, even if he only has two at his net two two to his name at the moment. Um, <laughs> years like two thousand and seven, when it came down to Brazil, 2010, 2012, Um and that was like in the thick of Sebastian Vettel dominance as well. Um, he's a driver with a reputation as a fearless, aggressive racer, and I don't think it's fair to define his career by the only two titles that that he's actually won.
0: Fun fact: seven more points spread out across his career, and he's got five world championships.
1: Exactly. Rather than so- wow, that's insane. So yeah, I think like you know, F one's all about being in it to win it. But um, I mean, it's it's a luck game as well at the end of the day. Sometimes, so yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. I just I don't think it's fair to define his whole entire like kind of or, or like weaken his his championships just because of those circumstances. So yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, when I think of Alonso, the last word that I think of is weak. I just can't describe him as, as someone who's weak. It's 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 wild to me. And I think, obviously, this past year, has he's been incredible, especially at the start of the season when Aston had that really quick car. He was on the podium all the time compared to his teammate who, I mean, we can all admit isn't the hardest teammate to beat, but he still, you know proved that he can be a teammate and I just felt like he was really impressive this last season and not only this last season but you know since he did win for the last time he has been always up there and people have unlucky moments every driver does uh but I just can't see him as the weakest multi-champion of all time there's no way short and sweet no (laughs)
0: No, I'm 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 fully in agreement. Like I said, there, there's there's an alternate universe where Alonso has five world titles and he's an uh, he's an unequivocal greatest of all time contender, in, in my humble opinion. So he's he, his legacy is more than just the two titles he did win in 05 and '06. I think there's a lot more to Alonso's career that, for me. <laughs> And I'm one of these guys that likes a good list. I think he's a borderline top ten of all time level driver. I think he's in that conversation to be a, a, a top ten driver of all time. He's he's you know the longevity, the multiple world titles, the multiple times he's just missed out on adding to that to that world title count and like i said the fact he's still one of the best in the world into his 40s we've, we we've not seen very many drivers i think we haven't we've not seen anyone in the modern age of f1 be this good at age 42 which is incredible in its own right so it's, it's a it's a medical marvel as well as a uh, as a as a, as, as a legacy one that he's still this good um, i've got to say one on this one for me, because I think Alonso is one of the best of all time. I don't think he's a weak double world champion at, at all. And I, I, I certainly, I've got the list of double world champs in front of me. I would certainly rate him above someone like Fittipaldi. I'd certainly put him above Ascari. I'd put him above Graham Hill. There's no way I'd, I'd, I'd have Alonso as the weakest multiple time champ. So I've got, I've got to say one on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with a one as well. I I mean, I I just can't get there on this one at all
2: yeah me too a one as well and not only that he's got years left in him he might be around for a few more so you never know what could happen
0: Mike Cracker said he's more than prepared to extend him he likely will if Alonso wants to stay (laughs) Um he thinks he can make it to twenty twenty six, which would which would mean we'd have a forty five year old on the grid, which is crazy for F one. <laughs> yeah. We've we, we haven't had we haven't had that in over fifty years. So um that would be wild to say the imagine,
1: least. Imagine imagine we have all this talk about like, oh, who's gonna be like the next like new F one champion and then it's freaking <laughs> Fernando
0: Alonso at like yeah.
1: forty five? Like how incredible <laughs> would that be? I would love to see that.
0: <laughs> Graham fun fun fact. Graham, Graham Hill is the last time we had a 45-year-old driver on the F1 because Michael Schumacher retired at 44. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think you have to go back to 1972 for the last time a 45-year-old <laughs> F1 driver took the grid yeah. uh, for, a, for a race, which, again... The fact that it's in the realm of possibility is bonkers to me. Um, So, yeah, uh, good for Fernando in that one. Certainly uh, not uh, a weak double world champ, in my humble opinion, anyway. Um, Let's go to the other end of the scale here. Final take of the episode comes from Duncan Steele, who says, Max is the only driver of the last 30 years who would even be considered for goat status. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I thought I would save arguably the wildest take of the entire year <laughs> I've been hosting this show for this occasion. Um, <laughs> uh, if there was an award for the hottest take of the year, I would give it to this. Um, Duncan said Max is the only driver of the last 30 years who would even be considered for GOAT status. This is going to be a quick one, I feel. Charlie... <sighs>
1: Honestly, I'm not even sure if I want to dignify this take with a response because I I feel like it must be a troll account. Like, it's got to be. Like, I'm sorry if you're an actual human, but if you're an actual human, then... I need to have words with you. But like the last 30 years, has this person just like never heard of like Michael Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton? Like what is going on? Like, do they even watch F1? I'm so confused. I have so many questions. Like, (laughs) absolutely no. We're just disregarding like two seven time world champions to fit a probably, to fit a Verstappen narrative. No, thank you. I'm absolutely not. Firstly, like, I, well I, I've said this a few times this year I hate hate the goat debate like it's so yeah. subjective there's no concrete answer on what you can judge it on like everyone can judge it on different things so everyone's goat is different and Max is certainly going to be up there with the discussion I mean he probably he already is he's in the discussion now but I mean come on like, this is just like ridiculous I can't, that's my response <laughs> you're not getting
0: ah. any more <laughs> um, I mean let's say, okay, let, let's be scientific about this for just a moment if, we, if we're talking 30 years, you're going back to 1993, so I would argue since then Ayrton Senna has an argument Alan Prost has an argument Michael Schumacher has an argument Sebastian Vettel has an argument Lewis Hamilton has an argument and I'd argue Hamilton's got the strongest case of anyone that to be the greatest of all time um out of all those guys I've mentioned people love Ayrton Senna like like an adopted child sometimes like people there are people that are adamant that Senna's the greatest of all time and there is an argument he, he's the ultimate vibes f1 driver in my opinion so like no like I, I get it I get why people would think this to a degree because Max has had arguably the greatest three year run in F one history. The last three seasons has been he's had has been incredible, but that doesn't that that doesn't dissolve any of what Lewis Hamilton has done, any of what Michael Schumacher has done, who I think is two thirds of that goat debate. And I know people don't like it. I've always said personally that Schumacher, Hamilton, and Fangio are the three drivers I would put on a plinth as the arguable greatest of all time, and you could come up with a very strong argument for any of those three, and I wouldn't argue with you. Um, No, Max is not better than them yet. Come back to me in five years. If Max keeps going at this rate for five more seasons, then I'll happily entertain that conversation. Not yet. It's too soon. Um, So for me, absolutely not i don't have anything to add
2: <laughs> i mean not much the only note that i've written under this hot take is this is wild like there's no way that <laughs> this hot take is even a thing i mean i can think of so many more off the top of my head that would easily be in the debate two of which are constantly talked about as the goats anyway schumacher and hamilton uh i feel like max deserves to be in the goat debate is it gone bad
0: no, 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 tricky! Okay, okay, you okay. were good.
2: Both of you made faces <laughs> at the same oh, time. I was like, "Don't worry, don't
0: worry, crack, crack on, crack on."
2: Um, <laughs> uh, I think Max deserves to be in the now. Gold it has,
0: no, now it has frozen. There you go. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just let me
2: know when it comes back, please.
0: You're, you're it's good. Fine.
2: Okay. Uh, I think Max deserves to be in the GOAT debate with all of these broken records and the domination over the last couple of years, but he's definitely not the only GOAT in the debate. I mean, how can you say that, you know, over the last 30 years, you guys guys covered all of the names already, but there's so many exceptional drivers and Max is in that category, but he's definitely not the only one. Can I give this hot take a zero? Is that allowed (laughs) as the last hot take?
0: (laughs) You know what? I'll allow it yes okay zero I'll allow it on this occasion it's a zero from me what about you (laughs) I I have nothing to add that hasn't already been said it's a zero from me that is a Completely wrong, in my opinion. That uh, that the Max is the only person in the in the conversation of the last thirty years. That that's completely. Uh, this it completely ignores arguably two of the three greatest ever that have literally come directly before him. So uh, it's a zero from me.
1: <laughs> yep, I agree. In this case, zero is not the hero.
0: <laughs> when is it ever the hero? Unless unless you're playing roulette, maybe. Um, zero. That's the saying. Self, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero, the I, I, hero. First, the worst. So technically, we should give it a one. <laughs>
0: technically, it's a one, but you know, uh, on on this occasion, I'm going I'm going to bend the rules and say this is a zero because it, it, it is arguably the worst take I've put on this entire show all year
1: no um, offence no offense to this person who's just submitting the date
0: <laughs> nothing personal Duncan um, <laughs> yes. I promise um, but no uh, as is what I, as what I will politely say on this occasion um, that'll do it for Hot Takes Wednesday not only for this week but also for the year of 2023 um, just before we go um, there's a few extra words I need to say um <laughs> actually hard to get out now i've actually come around to it because i've been thinking about this for a little while but uh, now i actually have to, to say the words this is my last appearance of wtf1 um sadly i will be leaving at the end of the year and with content generally slowing down in the off season this is it uh this is my last public appearance don't unsubscribe from your feeds in a hurry is what I would say. Um, There'll be more details on on what's going on with WTF1 and a winter break, quite likely, in the coming days. So do stick around for that. But I just get the chance to say goodbye. And um, it's quite hard to get the words out, but I will try my very best because uh, Charlie insisted I had a speech prepared, which I thought was (laughs) quite funny. Um, So um, what I will say is it's been a remarkable year and it's been it's not been easy i'll be the first person to admit that it's been it's had a whole heap of ups and downs um but this was an opportunity of a lifetime and i I, for those who don't know me very well i was i spent 10 years as an independent just writing blogs and making videos and doing whatever i could to stick out in this in this space and i was given some I, I was given an opportunity um to be able to represent WTF one for a year and it's been the most incredible journey of, of my professional life and beyond. Um and <laughs> it's 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 been it's been it's been a hell of an adventure. And I I, I I I wish I could tell you guys that I've got something awesome and cool lined up. I don't, not at the moment. And Who knows what's out there for me after I I technically become a free agent and and roll off into the sunset. But um, I just want to say thank you uh, to a a whole bunch of people. Um, My incredible team, and there's a lot of people behind the scenes that don't get the flowers that they deserve and i want to say big thanks to duncan who's our editor-in-chief in in the back he's the nicest man in the world he will he won't take a a shred of credit for any of this but he's done a a remarkable job behind the scenes looking after all of this um and he's been a pleasure to work with so duncan if you're listening thanks buddy Uh, much appreciated um shout out to everybody at the race who obviously manages us and i'm a writer that's always been my bread and butter and i'm a better writer because of working with so many incredibly gifted and talented people over there. It's, it's the best fleet of F1 writers and motorsport writers that any website has got together. And I'm very, very grateful and lucky to work with them all. So shout out to all of them. Big shout out to Benji as well, who was our editor video-wise behind the scenes for so long and was, again, another guy that was in charge of us and, and was incredibly motivating towards me in the back as well. I know Benji's listening. Thanks, Benji. Much appreciated big thanks to David and the team at MoneyGram as well because I want to give them a lot a lot of credit as well because a lot of the cool stuff that happened to me this year was thanks to them getting to sit down with Gunther Steiner was incredibly cool being flown out to Vegas to do the WTF1 rap was a dream come true so and that none of that was possible without David and his belief in all of us but apparently me in particular which is very strange but um, I'm very grateful to him for that so David thank you so much man and thanks to everyone at MoneyGram for supporting me over the last year. Um, And, of course, my incredible co-host and my incredible team, um, Hannah, Charlie, and Kieran, who deserves his his credit as well because he he was only with us for a very short time, but he was a joy to work with as well. Um, And everyone has been a joy to work with this year. And I couldn't have done any of this without their support and their hard work behind the scenes and, and making me look like a million bucks. So... Um, I love these guys, so thank you all so much to them. And it's not going to be quite the same without them. But most importantly, I want to thank all of you. I was brought in to be the podcast host. Um, and Hot Takes Wednesday has really become my baby in a sense. It's the one thing we kept from the old era. Um, and look, the way I look at it, I, I got to be the tenant of a pretty brilliant house that was built by. A pretty incredible set of content creators that came before it, Matt, Tom, Katie, Jess Medland, you know, many people that came before it. I just got to sit in the house for a little bit and and it, and that in itself was pretty cool. But you guys are what makes WTF1 tick. Um, the amount of kind messages I've had when submitting takes to the show via instagram via social media in general they got me through some pretty hard times and i'm incredibly grateful to each and every one of you who sent you who put in your time to support this show um there's a hundred different places you can get your f1 news and your f1 content and that's brilliant i'm glad that there's the, the table is big enough for people to be able to eat on it and i'm honored that you chose us and you chose me to be a part of your experience so you guys are the best audience i could ever ask for so thank you all so much and i'm gonna miss every every single one of you so thank you all so much um if you really really have liked me in general and you want to keep up with what i do Look for Dre Harrison on social media. The usernames are probably going to have to change for obvious, understandable reasons. <laughs> um, but I'm, you can't miss me. I'm the guy with the anime cap. You can't. You can't miss it. <laughs> um, but if you are a podcast fan in general. I'm on Motorsport 101. That has always been my baby. If you're an F1 fan, if you're a MotoGP fan, if you're an IndyCar fan, if you're a Formula E fan, me, RJ O'Connell, Cam Buckley are all over there. We we, we, we have a tight little ship and it's been our thing for the last almost a decade now. Um, So you can listen to that. If you really have enjoyed me and you want to continue doing so, that would be a a wonderful place we could have you potentially. Um, But, I guess this is goodbye. And um, again, uh, I, it's been an honor and a privilege to host this show. And um, while it may not be the end for us overall, it's it's the end of me here. So again, one more time from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen and choosing us to be your providers of F1 content. And um, here's to the next one. So from me, Dre Harrison, for the last time, as well as Hannah and Charlie, Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys soon. Sayonara.